Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past, we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praise classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How you doing, hon? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah, we're recording... On your normal other podcast night, so I'll try to take on some uh, part-time nerds, full-time dad charm. You could never be that charming. So this week in the Apple News Conference... <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. You think Chris will ever hear this? Probably not, yeah. no. I don't think he listens to the show. I was going to say, I listen to your show. Yeah, well... Anyway. <laughs> anyway, hi. How you doing? I'm good. I like I said, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So we got another show. We're recording from the new house. New house. Still trying to figure out the setup. Yeah, I mean, we got the same setup as last time, but uh as as time goes on, things have moved around. So I we'll see how it sounds. It might sound differently than it did last time because boxes are getting moved. And- yeah. My my other thing too is the microphone that I use, I actually have to hold in position for where i'm sitting these days we should uh probably stop that because i can hear you moving the mic all the time yeah <laughs> how about if i talk like this <laughs> lying down like that yeah i'm literally is, lying down now. is that comfortable for you in no, the slightest it's hurting my neck okay we'll get the other thing let's quickly take a pause and i'm gonna go get the other thing there we go now that that's out of the way so so Shall we talk about a movie? Yeah. This week, we will be talking about X-Men, which originally hit theaters back in 2000. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. The truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. We're not what you think, not all of us. Who are you people? What kind of place is this? I'm Professor Charles Xavier. I built this school where mutants could learn to focus their powers in a positive way, and also learn that mankind was not evil. Just uninformed. You'll be safe here from Magneto, a very powerful mutant who believes that a war is brewing between mutants and the rest of humanity. There is a war coming. You sure you're on the right side? I've never seen anything like this before. We are the future, Charles, not them. They no longer matter. Don't give up on them. Mankind has evolved. Not anymore. Uh, I can't do the X-Men song. I... Uh... <laughs> I started going to Jurassic Park there. You kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> they were the same. Not quite the same, no. <laughs> so, also funny story. <laughs> when I first keyed in July of 2000, I accidentally put 2020. And then when stuff started popping up it was like eases restrictions on borders i'm like oh i wonder what happened back in 2000 it was pre 9 11 and it took me a good 10 minutes to be like wait a minute that was last year yeah it was last year <laughs> it wasn't working while i was doing this i was a little <laughs> distracted but anyway 
You did figure out where you were going eventually? Yeah, I circled back and got there eventually. Good, 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 good. This one is one of those years where, because it is, it feels like the year 2000 really was like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. because we've hit that age now, that reading these things, I was like, no, that wasn't 20 years ago. No. And then they all seem like, holy crap, that really does put this movie culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. And again, not so much because the year 2000 is more culturally relevant. It's just for us contextually. Yeah. So, okay. July 8th, Venus Williams wins her first career Grand Slam singles title. Fancy. Uh, she's won many. Mm-hmm. July 8th, also, Harry Potter on the Goblet of Fire. Fire. Not flyer. Not the Goblet of Flyer. <laughs> which is the fourth book in the Harry Potter series is published on July 10th Coldplay releases their debut album Parachutes funny enough I saw and this is from my own memory I was watching much music when they played music and they're like here's a bunch of stuff from England that you know is starting to get some buzz and I don't remember any other thing that was on there but when Yellow came on from Coldplay I was like this song these guys are going to be big. Yeah. And they went out and I was actually able to track down their record at Lionbridge Mall in a store that had the headphones where you can go and sample records before, not records, but CDs. Oh, yeah, no. Was it the one that's... uh, It was GameStop Yeah, it was by where the food court was. Yes. Yeah, my sister worked at that boathouse. That was, oh, what was that? That was, uh, I know exactly. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I used to go there and listen to music too. Yeah, but I bought that. And it was hard to find. It was like the fourth or fifth place I went to try and find the CD. And then Coldplay became like the biggest band on earth. And he married Gwyneth Paltrow and the whole thing. Speaking of marriage, on July 29th, Jennifer Aniston, who was 31 at the time, and Brad Pitt, who was 36, got married in a private ceremony in Malibu, California. How was that 20 years ago? And people are still talking about her and Angelina Jolie. Yep. Like, get over it. <laughs> These people are in their 50s. Calm down. Ain't nobody got time for that drama in their 50s. Well, apparently somebody does. Anyway. Because we're still talking about it. Losers talk. Oh, we're I talking see. about the losers talking. Oh, about I see. It. I see. We got other celebrity marriage things to talk about. I don't know. I don't. I used to keep up with celebrity gossip so much, and now it's it's all Kardashian crap, and I don't care about the Kardashians at all. You know, it's so funny. I I, I pay so little attention to celebrity gossip that the last major thing that I heard about any celebrity gossip was that Ben Affleck had a cardboard stand up of that girl from Knives Out, whose name I can't remember. Because do you, do you not do you not know the new Ben Affleck gossip? Isn't he back with like? Isn't he back with JLo or something? With Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. So there you go. Taco, 20 years ago. South Park, not actually Jennifer Lopez. Okay. For our listeners to. Okay. No, I'm not a terrible person. I'm just quoting South Park. Yeah, I see. I see. But yeah. They're like making out all over like Hollywood. That's weird. I just appreciate that they're, you know, he's dating someone his own age and not going for another girl in his tw- in her 20s. Who and has like, a cardboard cutout? I'm living for the Benefer reunion. They were Benefer before Bradgelina. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I love it. I'm living for it. But you also, just said you don't pay attention to celebrity gossip. That I love because <laughs> it's a throwback to this gossip I was following. Oh, I see. If, also, it's, a, if it's a throwback, you're all about you, it. If you want to find some funny pictures on the internet, look up 
Ben Affleck carrying too many packages. I've seen that. Yeah. And Ben Affleck carrying too much takeout. Somebody, somebody <laughs> I follow on Twitter uses those pictures of like as as reactions. So like if somebody says something, it's just like a picture of Ben Affleck looking defeated, holding like a bad Dunkin' Donuts. But sometimes he looks so happy. They're great. They're great. Yeah. Anyway. Do you want to talk about the box office in the year 2000? Yeah, for sure. So we talked about it briefly in a previous podcast, which has gone in 60 seconds, mm-hmm. which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. I have to remember. It was Double so, Butters all around, if I recall. It was. So as we discussed then, we went with Mission Impossible 2 was the kind of movie that kicked off summer into Gone 60 Seconds, into Shaft. Like Each of these movies was number one for like one week, and then mm-hmm. they just had strong box office performances. They just were only first for a week because so many strong movies were coming out me myself and irene the perfect storm which i didn't like because it had the same problem as that everest movie i didn't like oh the one yeah i remember this nobody was actually there that survived so how did they know that that's what happened yeah Yeah. don't like that yeah and then we went into but with the perfect storm it made 41 million Mm -hmm. and then scary movie made 42 million and then x-men came in at 54 million it was the first time that three films, which I mentioned the box office, the other ones, had opened with more than $40 million in three weeks consecutively. Yeah. First time ever. The one stat that I know of for this movie is a little, I, I guess you could say it's a little more personal to me. So this is why I know this stat more than anything, is that I know that it was the biggest opening ever for a first-time writer, mm-hmm. first-time screenwriter, mm-hmm. and that was to David Hayter. Yeah, because you love David I Hater. I love David Hayter. Also, speaking of records, X-Men beat Men in Black's record for the top non-sequel opening and Batman Forever's uh, superhero debut record. It was beaten by the next week by the movie What Lies Beneath, which is a movie I'd actually like to cover at some point. Wait, which one is that? Is that That's the one with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember I that one. I starting to suspect something. Yeah. Who? Your wife. Yeah, yeah. That one. I remember that one, yeah. Yeah. It's good. I'd like to watch it. it again. I saw that one at the drive-in. Did you really? Yeah, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this movie. Anyway, so the top <laughs> movies of the year yes. were How the Grinch Stole Christmas at $260 million, Castaway at $233.6 million, and Mission Impossible 2 at $250 million. X-Men was eighth at $157.3 million domestically for the year. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pop in a quick story here because I don't know this is probably the best place to, to pop it in because we were just talking about Mission Impossible 2. Mission Impossible 2 has a very large connection to this movie. Is it David Hayter? No, it is uh, Dougaray Scott, who is the villain of Mission Impossible 2, who was originally cast to play Wolverine. And he did not play Wolverine in the movie because Mission Impossible ran long and he also injured himself in a motorcycle stunt. And that is why Dougaray Scott is someone who not too many people know. And Hugh Jackman is an enormous movie star. (laughs) It's because of a motorcycle stunt and Mission Impossible 2 filming along. Okay, so I know Dugray Scott, and I, you know what? I'm going to assume most women born between the years of 1980 and 1990 are very familiar with Dugray Scott. Are you going to talk about Ever After? I knew it because I remember Ever After was his biggest credit before he was supposed to be in X-Men. It is still his top known for yeah. on IMDb. And and I remember reading in Wizard Magazine when I'm they were so announcing do after it's okay. probably when when we were I've never seen it. So 
I can't wait for you to unleash that on me. But anyway, when when the movie's cast was announced, I was reading an article in Wizard magazine about oh, X-Men. I miss Wizard. I do miss Wizard as well. They were talking about Dugaray Scott playing Wolverine. And they were like, hey, guys, just because he was the lead in Ever After doesn't mean you should be worried about if he's going to be a badass or not. And then it named some other movie that he was in where he was like a like a drug dealer or something. And and they were like, that's the movie you should watch if you want to get an idea of what he'll be like as Wolverine, not Ever After. And then it was all moot point anyway, because he didn't end up being Wolverine anyway. He was fine. But that's the thing. Like, look at Hugh Jackman. Like, he's done Wolverine, but he also did, like, Kate and Leopold. This is true. But the thing is, is would Hugh Jackman have gotten the chance to do Kate and Leopold had he not had that springboard from X-Men? Yeah, you raise a good point. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So, anywho. Mm -hmm. Anywho. Shall we get into the actual characters in this movie and not people who might have played them? Well, they, do you want to get into our memories of this movie oh, first? Right. Let's talk about that because I have memories. I have lots of memories. And I, it really could boil down to the fact that I am a lifelong comic book fan. Yep. And X-Men coming to theaters was like, the, I think at this point, Spider-Man had been announced that it was being made or maybe not. But X-Men was what was really exciting to me. Oh, X-Men, and that's this movie, and we'll discuss it, I'm sure, as as we go on. X-Men is very significant because it was the first Marvel movie that was good. Well, I mean, you could argue that Blade, but it was the first mainstream one, yeah. Yeah, that was good, that people would immediately recognize it. Because, like, I'm sure if you asked most people, even now... Like that are just regular movie, not comic, but regular movie folks. What comic book is Blade from? They'd be like, he's from a comic book. Yeah. Or who's Blade? Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like what, like what property is the X Men part of? They like, oh, it's Marvel. Yeah. Everybody knows X Men. People grew up with X Men because of the cartoon. Yes, and that's like me. Exactly. I also grew up with the cartoon. That was my first introduction to comic books. Was the X Men cartoon? Yeah. Mine was. It. My introduction to X Men was a trading card was a trading card you've told me this because wolverine looks like Batman. wolverine looks like card. batman on this it's it's actually jim lee who drew it oh okay so it was it's a it's a wolverine trading card where i'm like man he looks like batman but he looks like batman with knives in his hands this is very interesting and then from there after that trading card i found an x-men comic book at a grocery store and I still have it. It's torn to shreds because I read it a million no, times. 100%. But it, it was one where the X-Men teamed up with Ghost Rider to fight demons in New Orleans <laughs> for Gambit. Hey, all Mike here. My nerd self wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't correct that. It wasn't demons that they were fighting. It was the brew, the alien monster aliens thing. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I have that issue uh, still. It's it's absolutely dis- destroyed. But that was really the, what began my love affair with X-Men. and Because I, I, I knew who the X-Men were from the trading cards. Mm-hmm. But this was when I actually got to see who they were and see how they interacted and, and things like that. And then that after that, the cartoon hit. And that is when, like... The, the rocket took off right and that was and because that's the thing like we met when i was working at a comic store mm-hmm. and even though when i started working there i was 21 22 originally in that age 20, 21. i was right out of university probably 22 but like 
I'd been in that store several times, but I always went for X-Men comics. That's what mm-hmm. I knew. That's what I was familiar with. I went for X-Men comics and manga. Yep. And that was it. And then it wasn't until I actually worked there that I started expanding on, oh, I'm sorry, the occasional Batman. Mm-hmm. But because that's, I, I feel like until Marvel movies got big mm-hmm. outside of X-Men, the ones that people who weren't big comic fans like you and like people who are normally in there for comic books and stuff, you know, like regulars, yeah. Wednesday regulars. Yeah. I feel like most people who would occasionally drop by and even working there, I found this until the movies really started coming out. The ones that people would come in for looking for that they were familiar with, with Batman, X-Men properties. So I'm counting Wolverine as part of an X-Men property because yep. independent Wolverine and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then no one gave a flip about Iron Man. Yeah, of course not. No. And I remember when the Iron Man movie was announced and it was Robert Downey Jr. and the whole thing when I was working there. And I was like, really? And then we started, I was like, well, Robert Downey Jr. has a lot of like substance abuse problems. And that's when it was like, oh, right. Iron Man does too. Yeah. Maybe, and that's when I started Maybe reading more about I, like this, yeah. Demon in a Bottle and all that stuff, right? So that's when I started reading that specific character. But like, I found I was reading more like Runaways because yep. again, some of the characters, like there was mutants on it. Mm-hmm. So it was like when I was reading comics, even working there, I tended to for superheroes. My realm of comfort of what to dive into branched from X Men and then grew over time. I'm pretty sure Iron Man was announced right as I started working there. Okay, yeah. Thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So anyway, blah, 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 blah. X-Men was the familiar, comfortable comic spot. And I think most people could say that. And that is, I'm sure, a big part of why this was the first movie to come out. Because unless they made a really, 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 really crappy movie, this was a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, and which is funny because it's definitely not anymore. Yeah, no, no kidding. Which is a little sad. Mm-hmm. We haven't even seen the last two. Oh, what? Yeah, there's New Mutants. We haven't seen that. And we didn't see Dark Phoenix. Yes, we did. Did we? Yeah, we rented it from the library. It was in the great. No. Yes, we watched it. I don't remember. Yeah, no, we watched it. Maybe you're blocking it out, but we've seen it. Are you sure? I Because I remember Apocalypse. Yeah, no, we 100% see it. We don't, it's the it's the only X-Men, specific X-Men film that we don't own. And I think that probably has something to do with why you don't remember us Ooh. watching it. But yeah, yeah, I don't remember it all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Because I do know it was apparently not good. And I'm sure if you like were like, this is what happened, which we don't need to get into now. I'd be no. like, oh, right, we did watch that. It was the same with that Annabelle creation movie. You're like, remember, this is what happened? I was like, oh, I did watch that. Yeah, yeah. No, we did watch that. But actually getting into the memory of seeing this movie. So very oh, excited. Oh, that part. Yeah, very excited to see this movie when it was announced. I Again, Wizard Magazine was how like I knew everything. Like I knew what, how it was coming and, and all sorts of stuff. And when it finally came out, I remember going with my friend Stuart. You don't know Stuart. You've mm-hmm. never met Stuart. I've never talked about Stuart before. <laughs> Stuart and I w- walked from my parents' house to the movie theater that is now the Marshalls you like to go to all the time. <laughs> and we went there and we saw it. And it's it was the first movie I'd ever seen in theaters twice. Ah. I went and I saw it. I went and saw it at that theater. 
And then if you remember, Lime Ridge Mall used to be a repeat theater yep. where you'd go see movies that had like they were second run yep. and it was like two dollars for your ticket. Yep. Do you remember what was two dollars for your ticket at the second run movie theater? Mm-hmm. I would wait for movies to go to the second run before oh, I would sure. go see them. Anyway, that was the first movie I ever saw. And it was really funny because I remember this just tells you how much time I used to have as a kid. I remember walking out of X-Men on the at the second run theater and immediately going, well, what are we doing now? And then walking into Scary Movie because oh, Scary God, Movie was yeah. playing at the same time at the, at the second run theater. We just walked right out front, bought our tickets and went right back in because it was it was just starting. Well, yes. Yeah, I remember. Funny enough, speaking of Scary Movie. I actually remember my scary movie experience better than my first because I, I saw this more than once. Mm-hmm. I definitely, and this was a movie I actually bought on this is time where you can see where things start like times are changing. We bought this movie on VHS when it came out and then a couple months later bought our first DVD player yep. and bought it on DVD. This was the first DVD I owned. Yeah. This movie. And yep. it was also the first DVD that I bought again. Because you broke it? No, I double dipped. Uh, they did the oh, X-Men the 1.5 special edition yeah. with the extra footage. Yeah. So I, I double dipped and I bought that too. Yeah, I had a like a friend date, like just going with a friend to go see Scary Movie. And then I was like, called her up and be like, okay, I'll be there to pick you up. Like, sure, because I lived in the middle of nowhere, so I drove everywhere. I'll be there to pick you up, you know, in 20 minutes to, you know, we'll go see Scary Movie. And she goes, oh, I saw it last night with my boyfriend. I don't want to see it now. Mm-hmm. I was like, you are a bad friend. Apparently so. Anyway, but I, yeah, it was, who, who didn't love this movie? It was all anybody was talking about at school. Because I was in high school at the time and everyone saw it. Like, it was like a huge thing. Like, it was like the first good superhero movie that was not bad. You were talking about it at high school? Yeah. Were you in summer school? It was a July, it was a July movie. Oh, you're right. No, because. When no, you got back, though. When we got back. Right. Nonstop people talking about it. Because people had had two months to watch it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like opening weekend. So everyone we got back, it was. And again, remember, we all went to school in the middle of nowhere. And this was when barely anyone had even like MSN Messenger. Yeah. So we weren't talking about it over the summer. We like barely saw each other over the summer because we all lived in the middle of nowhere. And most of us didn't drive. So we were relying on parents to like drive us places. And they were going to drive us all over southern Ontario to see our friends because, you know, our county was so big. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, it was a big deal. Yes. Definitely. So, getting into the rewatch. Getting into the rewatch. I haven't watched this movie in so long, and I watched this movie so often when I was like in high school, and we'd watch it like we'd either be watching movies like this, or not that there were that many at the time, or campy eighties horror movies during like sleepovers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah, it's it's a movie that we've both seen many times. I I, I did watch it not super recently. We did figure it out. That I was rewatching. I had just started rewatching the entire X Men franchise of movies on my commutes to work, and I'd made it through this movie and halfway through X Two, and then the pandemic hit, and that was the last time I was watching a movie on my tablet on the bus. Oh, (laughs) and now that tablet like doesn't work so great anymore because they're getting too old. Like, yeah, apps are. It's on Android five and Android. 13 i think is about to drop yeah so. you are uh, out of luck my tablet's the same so we might need to invest in a new tablet perhaps so so handy mm-hmm. anyway so i gotta ask right off the hop the first thing that stood out to me mm-hmm. so we see wolverine and it's our first reveal of wolverine okay like this is how it opens but no. like we get our exposition dump of what mutants are and the whole thing and the magneto origin and the yeah origin. that uh, the magneto origin always breaks my heart 
Yeah. It's so well done. It's very well done. It is probably the most well done scene of the whole movie. The funny thing is, too, is this is one of those movies that is very Toronto centric. Mm -hmm. We live not too far from Toronto. And even this movie, this movie, there is a, a pivotal scene to this movie that was filmed a five minute walk from where we just moved from. Yep. And, and we'd walk by it literally every day. Yeah, every day. And so there's a lot of this movie that I recognize from I've been there mm -hmm. and I've been to where they filmed the the concentration camp scene. Oh, I actually had a Christmas party at that location. Your brother got married in the same building. They filmed they the, filmed the, the train station. The train at. Station That's at. right. Yes. So I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't throw that one out. You know what? You well, I figured when we would got brother, there, if your but, brother hadn't been married there, we would have got married there because you were like. X-Men. I, I, there is a there is a a very embarrassing prom photo of me because mm -hmm. my high school prom happened. Not like my, my graduating year, but like an, uh, an earlier year. I can't remember what year it was. Oh, like a junior prom. A junior prom. Yeah. My junior prom was held there. And there is a photo of me standing on the front steps pretending to raise cars. You're cool, I know. Michael. I know. Is there is there any other further evidence needed that why I went alone to that prom? <laughs> I well, that's it. A lot is filmed at that train station. A oh, yes. Lot. Yes. We when we watched twenty one eleven sixty three or eleven twenty one sixty three, whatever for the that, that series, I was yeah. in. Yes. They filmed. There's quite a few different scenes filmed in the same parking lot at different angles at that station yes the long kiss goodnight the famous jumping out the window scene yeah. is filmed at that train yeah. station the, the, it's a very versatile building it's yeah. got kind of everything you want but i wanted to say my first inkling of oh i might be critical of this movie because the opening scene's so strong yes so so good with magneto mm -hmm. heartbreaking and then i was like so you got wolverine in a cage fight uh-huh Guy walks up to him and like sucker punches him and knees him in the face and this whole thing. Mm -hmm. His whole skeleton is the strongest metal known to Marvel man. Yes. Wouldn't it have just shattered the other guy's hand when he hit him? You would think. And he continues to hit him. Like, wouldn't it at least... Wouldn't... They should have had a scene where he like throws the punch and like maybe not so much broke his hand. But what if they like hit it and he was like, what the hell? And mm -hmm. then boom, sucker punch from Wolverine. And even then, a sucker punch from Wolverine, wouldn't it shatter his jaw or something? Because he's made of metal. You would think. So that was my first inkling of, I might have some critical thoughts for this. Because I went in going, I'm going to love this movie. Uh -huh. And I'm not going to have anything bad to say about it. Because I remember this movie being great. There's I a lot of this movie being amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie, and it, it's just in in general with like superhero movies where it's like, hey, their powers don't work that way for this scene only, and yeah. and that is that that is a, an example of that. Yeah, there's some convenient non-powers versus convenient powers, and mm -hmm. then on the flip side, so we see Rogue again, and she's wearing a very Rogue coat. Yes, Rogue's color in the comics is green because I was very familiar at the time. That this came out with cartoon series Rogue, where yep. she's got the leather jacket over her green costume, which always looked really cool and badass. But then, as I've read the comics more since, she does often wear like this long hooded jacket with this green. Yep, and, with green and like white highlights. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this was like watching it now. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I like how they uh, 
incorporated her look into her look. Which is, she's really one of the only characters they do that with. Because, like, for the most part, unless they're wearing, you know, street clothes, they're wearing black spandex. The uniforms do not... not spandex. Well, no, sorry, sorry. I say spandex because of the line in the movie about spandex. They're wearing the the leather jumpsuits. And they're not really, with the exception of the Wolverine one, they're not really personalized. No. Which is really funny that the the Wolverine one is personalized to him because in the like the lore of the story, it's one of Cyclops's extras is, is what he's wearing, uh. which is like what <laughs> because uh, like why would he have one that's personalized to him ready that was like Cyclops? Can you imagine Cyclops walking around with like the the three stripes and the the collar stripes and stuff? That doesn't make any sense. No. But anyway, she is really the only character that they kind of do that with. Like even if. You look at Magnino, there is, with the exception of the purple in his helmet and the the slight red in his cape, there's no hint of his outfit. No, they've incorporated like a really dark purple into him. But yeah. it's so dark that you can't really tell. It kind of catches in some light. Nobody really has quite the other. So it, it was nice to see rose because that and i think that's part of why i never noticed it before was and like put it together is because nobody else has that and then it was like oh rogue so i was watching like i was watching i was like oh what what are the ones that i missed that were like hat tips to the uh the comic and they're yeah you're right there's not really any there's, others. there's two ah, there's only two what's the other one professor x is always wearing a suit because well, that doesn't count yeah but that's his that's his style that's his sweet style that's his sweet style <laughs> And and Wolverine sweet style of you oh, know the, well, again, the again, denim jacket like if if Wolverine Cyclops spends most of this he's movie a in a leather jacket well yeah but he's wearing a, a denim jacket underneath it he's wearing like so many layers he's wearing a denim jacket under a leather jacket over a collared shirt is he over a, a tank denim top. jacket or is he wearing a Canadian tuxedo he's wearing a, a full Canadian tuxedo there you go. but Cyclops in his street clothes wears like turtleneck. And it's weird. He wears like the same turtleneck throughout the entire movie, whether or not he's wearing like the shirt over the turtleneck is different or not. But at the same time, when you, when you think of, oh, Cyclops in the comics, you don't think of t- Cyclops walking around in turtlenecks, no. you know, you know, like so everyone else is just kind of, you know, dressed normally. That's, the only characters yeah, and I think that's that's they don't incorporate aspects of their costume. Yeah. The characters who get that kind of a costume nod are Rogue, Wolverine and Professor X. And that's not really a, a suit is not a costume. I understand the professor. That's what he wears. I understand. I mean, he wore turtlenecks more than Cyclops did in the comics. So there you go. <laughs> I understand, professor, okay. but he's a Fine. professional we dude. That is we a, won't that's count him. We won't count him. A dude wearing a suit. Revolutionary. Well, yeah, but I mean like. Uh, Groundbreaking. You, If he rolled up in the denim tuxedo, you would be like, what the hell is this shit? You know, yeah. if Wolverine had rolled up. He in, is Canadian. If he had rolled up in anything other than the suit. You know, or the within the denim tuxedo. If he was, if he was wearing the turtleneck, you'd be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yes, they do a really good job with with Rogue and, and the nods to her. And her then outfit. let's switch it back to a critique. Okay. One of Wolverine, which is again seen later in the film, mm-hmm. powers work, powers don't work. When he's fighting Mystique, uh huh, and he's like, <laughs> sniff, sniff. Yeah, why? Why didn't he smell? Why did he smell Rogue? Well, in the, when the car, when he was even getting into his car, he would have walked by. Oh her. yeah, he should have smelled her then. He yes. should have known. Yeah, it's not not later when she was making noise. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's all sorts of like weird. I mean, 
technically, th- this is actually something I wrote down too. Mystique, her powers are working all sorts of wacky ways in this movie too. Yeah. Perfect example when she's Wolverine, he cuts her claws off because her claws are not made of the same metal his claws are. They're yeah. a part of her. Mm-hmm. He cuts them off. Mm-hmm. What part of her body were her claws? Well, I think, no, no, no. So her cellular structure uh-huh. is such a way that she can manipulate her cells and stuff, right? Right. To appear differently. So realistically, he cuts off maybe like, what, two inches of each claw, three inches? Sure. We'll say that is half a pound worth of material, mm-hmm. maybe less. Probably less. They're pretty thin. Quarter of a pound. So just imagine that a quarter pounds worth of her cells that she can manipulate and move around in her body however she wants are gone. Okay. Explain this one though. When she is posing as Senator Kelly's assistant, who in another fun comic nod is Henry Peter Gyrick. Yep. Another comic character. He hands her a telephone and she puts it in her pocket and then completely turns back into mystique. What happened to that phone? (laughs) Is it just in her now? Is it a part of her body? Does that phone exist like in her boob, like a tumor or something? <laughs> what happened there? Maybe it just gently fell out and it's such plush carpet on that helicopter that you didn't hear it go thunk. Does she poop it out later? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I do have to say, because in the comic, Mystique wears her white outfit with yes. a skull belt. I was going to say belly bracelet. <laughs> That's not a thing. It's a belt. It's I could think of the word for belt. <laughs> So anyway, I do like what they did with this is Mystique is naked. Yeah. Because if she, it makes sense because and one of the things they get into in the first class series of movies is when she's using her powers to be doing anything, it takes away some of her other strength because mm-hmm. she is, she has to think about who she's posing as. So if she is wearing clothes when she uses her powers, she'd have to take those clothes off. Yes. Or if she wanted to appear not naked, she'd have to transform clothes at the same time. So either way, she it, both are a detriment to her actually using her power. So I do like what they did with this is it makes sense that she'd be walking around naked. Yeah, like it, it's it's a Spider-Man organic web shooters thing. It's just like we did this so that we didn't have to explain one other thing. Like why does her why do her clothes change? Yeah, you it, know, it like, makes it makes a lot of sense. I really do think that that take on her design makes sense. And it looks hot. Yeah. No, I mean, also, it didn't help that they picked Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Well, she was Stamos at the time, but she's not anymore. I know. But at the time, she was Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is her yeah, Stamos. That, that didn't hurt. No. 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 She She's a hottie, hot, hot. One of the things I did have to, to note in this movie, and I understand but this movie has way more exposition than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Like they they have to set they have to do all the work of like the entire Marvel universe on their own in one movie mm-hmm. to set this up. Because like, yeah, you and I and anybody who watched the cartoon as a kid knew had a vague idea about the X Men yeah. at the very least. But for most people, they. They probably knew what the X-Men were, but they didn't know a lot of... I'm sure most of the audience 
really didn't have that much knowledge of it. They an awareness mm-hmm. without knowledge. Does it make sense? Yeah. A lot of people would. Don't get me wrong. Well, I mean, you could look at them and be like, oh, those are the superheroes. Yeah. Like, that's really all you need it to know. It really needed the exposition dump. But whereas now a Marvel movie comes out, you don't need an exposition dump. Not really, no. No. Like, we all know who these people are now. It's crazy. And like, people who 15 years ago didn't give a flip about marvel in any way now love it which is yeah. great mm-hmm. like because it gives me more marvel shit to watch that's exactly it like i'm not being like uh posers they didn't care about marvel 15 years ago it's mm-hmm. like heck who cares they care about it now yeah and so they've taken the time on their own to buy comics to read comics to go on wikipedia about these characters to research who their favorite mutant is there's like, a reason that the latest spider-man series of films did not need to explain how spider-man became spider-man who uncle ben was anything like that yeah. because at this point we all everyone knows his origin and i do like that now he has hot anime <laughs> yes because it makes more sense for his age like heck technically i'm old enough to be Aunt May. technically i mean if i had an older sister who's like you know, had a kid when she was like 22 or something, easily AMA. Like, she doesn't need to be like 80 years old. It makes more sense that she's younger. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's the idea great was, AMA. Maybe she's great. Maybe she was great AMA. We just never got that information. Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, there's just a lot of exposition. There is. But you know what? I actually really enjoyed in in regards because obviously like like you said the exposition they have to set up what mutants are they have mm-hmm. to set up the mutants are 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 feared by regular people and that like that's one something that i like about this movie yes magneto essentially magneto and the brotherhood is the villain but so is humanity mm-hmm. and and that's a major major part of the x-men lore mm-hmm. like it, it's if if it was just the x-men fighting magneto it's not as interesting and and that also plays into the plot in the sense of like they are trying the villains are trying to create you know they're trying to make the the leaders of countries mutants so that the mutant plight will then be their plight which means that they'll get the aid that they need that's yeah that's entirely that's what they're so trying much to aid do. but respect yeah and less being hunted down because like obviously magneto's whole jam is like he was you know, a Jewish kid during World War Two. Yeah. How are they gonna start working that into the plot when we get to the point where it's like no one who was born like before Like if they do make a modern Marvel movie, how will he be World War Two? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll be I'm sure that they'll chances are they will change his race to make it a more modern event. Like I, yeah, they're gonna have to if they want to, or they they're gonna do it in the sense that it's like his powers have given him longevity, or or he crashes a plane into the ice and freezes, and then they thaw him out, and then he's Magneto again. I mean, I guess <laughs> one of his mutant powers is he can put himself into ice comas no, or it'd something be like, like an that. iron ball. Iron ball. Because he likes hibernates. He likes metal. Yeah, I don't he does. know if you know that. I, that's the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to this movie though. Yeah. So can I also say, I have to say one of the scenes that I was still like, knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And I still was like. <gasps> yeah. Was when Rogue goes in and like, what's going on with Wolverine? And he stabs her. Yes. And it's just like, 
oh shit mm-hmm. like even now i've seen this movie like a dozen times and even now and i knew it was coming and like that's a good scene yeah this they do a really good job with like this is actually what I was trying to say before was sorry. They, no, no, it's fine. It is. It involves all of the exposition and stuff. They do a really good job of making you think the plot is going one way and it's really going the other way. Mm-hmm. And it's been right under your nose the entire time. I agree. Like all of the breadcrumbs that they lead make you think that yes, they are after Wolverine, yep. but if you're paying attention, they are after Rogue. All the, all the information is right there. No. They, they, you just interpreted it one way versus the other, which yep. again is how they, they wanted you to. I think the only thing that really gives it away a little bit is when Mystique visits as Iceman and, yeah. and says like, oh, you, you should go away and like you should run away. And then it cuts to the, the eye changing color. If they had left that part out and put the reveal that it was mystique at the moment where it cuts to Bobby later. And he's like talking to his buddies and his buddies are like, weren't you supposed to meet with her? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what happened to her. And then they walk by the door and mystique is there. That I thought, I thought would have been a stronger, like bam surprise, you know, cause that's that that's happening as they're doing the reveal mm-hmm. that it was rogue that they're after all along. Like it, they telegraph it way more because of that, that one shot with the eye. Yeah. And actually the one thing that they, I thought they was kind of dumbed it down for a wider audience. Yeah. And, and it's actually one thing that's really neat about that whole sequence too, is there's no CGI trickery in that shot. When, when Iceman walks by the door and, and Mystique comes out because he has a twin brother. Yep. It was his twin brother that was doing that yeah, shot. Sean and Aaron Ashmore. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the Ashmores. They're good Canadian boys. Yeah. There, there's one thing that happens in that sequence that just doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm looking back at it. I'm like, why did they do that? I don't understand it. So after that scene happens, Mystique as Iceman goes down to Cerebro and Gets down on on her knees, transforms into the professor so that it can do the the ID thing to open the door. Mm-hmm. Changes back into Iceman to stand up, and then changes into Mystique. Why didn't she just change from Professor X into Mystique? Why did she change back to Iceman and then to Mystique? That's a very good question. It doesn't make any sense. I think, you know why I think it makes sense? I think it makes sense so that they didn't have to, like, animate some sort of wheelchair, like her body becoming a wheelchair yeah, or something. No. <laughs> but then even then, she just could have been the professor, like, kneeling down. She's not really the professor. She didn't need to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that just, this viewing, I don't know why it's never occurred to me before, but this viewing that stuck out to me is very odd. Well, remember, we are going into it specifically working on using on, a critical this eye. This is true. This is true. So that is part of it. Speaking of critical eye. Mm-hmm. So again, scene that I loved back in the day that still held up. Rogue getting stabbed. That was a great scene. Still yes. shock. Still a moment of tension. After, you know, Rogue has run away. They're like, we have to go find her. Something's going on. Da, 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 da. Wolverine steals Cyclops' motorcycle. Yes. 
I remember thinking that was so cool. Mm-hmm. It is not cool. <laughs> it's so goofy. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is kind of dumb, man. I kind of had a little chuckle to myself to be like, what? The effects weren't great. And mm-hmm. the point of it was silly. And like, I understand. I could understand someone like Wolverine mm-hmm. actually being able to handle a bike like that mm. because I feel like with his powers, he probably has a sight heightened senses, heightened reaction time. Cause that's a big part of going at high speeds that people don't realize when you are driving that quickly, there is about a second or two lag from your eyeballs to your brain mm-hmm. to reaction. People don't realize that. So if you're going so fast that you are moving faster than your brain can react to what you're doing, that's when you die. Like you, you won't see a curve coming or a deer or whatever, and then you die. Right. But I feel like because Wolverine has these heightened senses, he probably has heightened reaction time, mm. which therefore he could handle. It. Cyclops don't have that. Yeah, he could have died. Cyclops would die. Yeah, I think really that scene, the entire purpose of that scene, besides the fact that it's a, a funny, you know, a moment of levity in yeah. the script, I think it's also to explain how Wolverine beats everyone else to the train station. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense but still it's just goofy like even if like he's got a few minute head start on them he doesn't need to go like have the rocket bike but he gets there with enough time that he can make his heartfelt speech to rogue to make sure that she sticks around i guess yeah and then you're talking about effects that didn't hold up here's an effect that did hold up when magneto rips the train open yeah, it looks cool. awesome. Yeah, it cool. still looks awesome because that was probably mostly practical. Oh yeah, it was on. They did it all practical. Yeah. Yeah. So we say it again and again every week: practical effects hold up over CG. Mm-hmm. But then we get into this cool scene in the train station, which is by far one of the coolest scenes of the whole movie. Like you know, he's he's got the he's controlling all the guns, and then Professor X shows up. One of the things that so they blast a hole in the unit station. Yes. And I'm just like. Okay, Scott is an X-Man. Scott is an X-Man. He has He's been trained to use his trained powers. trained his whole life how to use his powers properly, how to not make mistakes. Toad whips his sunglasses on, and he fires his eye lasers into the ceiling and blasts a huge hole in it before he thinks, I should close my eyes. It's like, dude, you've trained your whole life to immediately... What does he do if like someone bumps into him and knocks his glasses off day to day? Like, Is he blowing holes in kids at school? Like... <laughs> I, I like that you went with blowing holes in kids at the school. <laughs> right, right to vaporizing children. <laughs> if he's walking through the quad and someone like is throwing footballs back and forth, some kid and who's, he takes like, a powers a wicked arm, <laughs> takes a football in the the glasses and it shatters his ruby glasses. Uh-huh. Is he like, ah, I just killed three kids. <laughs> yeah, I gotta fix my turtleneck. <laughs> Can I also say... Uh-huh. This movie was my like introduction to James Marsden, and I love him. Uh huh. And I I always feel bad because most movies he is like the guy who doesn't get the girl. He kind of gets the girl, but he's, you know, like oh no, this wasn't. I apologize. No, disturbing behavior was, oh. and I loved him in that. And then this was my first like more mainstream movie with him. And I was like, this guy's going places, and he's never been. Like the A-list star he deserves to be. He's really good in Westworld. 
He's great in everything. He is amazing in Dead to Me. He plays two different characters in Dead to Me, and he's great. Oh, there you go. Laura, recommendation. Dead to Me is fantastic. Oh, my God. It was one of the best Netflix shows I've seen. I don't think you'd like it. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I won't watch it then. It's so good. I would recommend it to anyone. I found a lot of myself in Christina Applegate's character, which I don't know if it's a good thing or not. She's very relatable. Okay. She's very human. Okay. Anyway. Uh, speaking of not humans, this movie. I was about to say inhumans, but that's a different property. That's a different property. Yes. Yeah. These are these are homo superior. Homo superior mutants. They're the next stage in our evolution. Yes. Let's be super nerds about this whole thing. Oh, I wish I was an X-Men. Anyway. Which X-Men powers would you want? If you had to pick somebody's powers. Whose if it powers had to be an want? X-Men. If it had to be an X-Men character, good or bad. Well, you'd want to be Magneto. I would. As much as I love Wolverine as a character, Magneto's powers are awesome. Awesome. Hmm. I want to fly. Mm-hmm. I want to be strong. So you want to be rogue? Because you can't touch anybody. No, rogue. Those aren't rogue's mutant powers. Those are powers she's... Oh, she steals them. Which she can't, which is why, which is why she doesn't have those powers in the movies. Because... They could not acknowledge Ms. Marvel because well, legally she was a different property. Well, it doesn't work the story, though. Well, no, but also, like, she could have grabbed somebody else and blah, 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 blah. But, but this, yes. is, no, this is, like, Rogue's, like, origin. Like, she just got her power. She doesn't get Ms. Marvel's powers or Captain Marvel. Well, she's Ms. Marvel. She's Ms. Marvel. She doesn't get her powers at the time until after Mystique gets all on her head and is like, I need you to do this for me. Well, that's the thing. Like, something that's never really touched on in the movies is Rogue's relation to Mystique. Yeah. But they again, they this do is touch a different timeline. They do touch on rogues or not rogues mystique's relation to Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. So, but they don't do it in in the later movies when they're doing the Back to the Past I stuff. Love Nightcrawler, but I love Alan Cumming. Is that that's why you like him? Not no, of, I like both. You, you like Nightcrawler and Alan Cumming. So and it was a nice was, like combo of two things I like. Right. Well, two people. Either way, There's chocolate and peanut butter in a. In yeah! a <laughs> okay so powers who do you want somebody that flies and super strong well who flies and super strong in x-men gladiator yeah yeah there's like a different there is a gladiator it's a kid gladiator honestly i would but no that's a whole other can of worms if you get into that because like what kid gladiator no. kid gladiator was an x-man kid gladiator was an I wear the X on my shirt X-Men character. Okay. So. I don't remember if he flew or were super strong, but I'm just basing it on Gladiator. Anyway, sorry. I need to pick Jean Grey, Mm -hmm. but like not like in this movie, Jean Grey, where she's just like. But she's just, you don't want telekinesis powers. You want Phoenix powers. Yeah. Okay. Did you, did you catch the nod to Phoenix in this movie? It's actually, I, I I never caught it until after I heard about it on a podcast because it was with David Hayter. David Hayter was talking about how they didn't know, they didn't know going in the movie was going to be a success. They didn't know that the movie was going to generate sequels, be a franchise, et cetera, et cetera. He said to the director, he said, I have one request that you can, can you please put this in as a nod to like a plot thread that we can pick up in a sequel? And it's the mutant machine, the machine that makes people into mutants. They talk about it in the movie that it does not affect mutants. Mm-hmm. When the beam goes over her and it turns off 
she is the only character that reacts. Everyone else just stands there and she has this moment like a chill goes up her spine. It's just a reaction shot. It's very quick, but it's it's one shot of her going, what? Like, like what just happened? Kind of a thing. Mm. And he said that the intention was, as they were putting that scene in, as this was their their way to kick off the Phoenix storyline. Uh. That was the plan. I mean, obviously... He didn't come back for the third movie. He did not like the writer did not come back to do. He did the second one where they continue the Phoenix story, but mm-hmm. he didn't do the third one where they quote unquote end it. And he's like, we had a very different plan for what we were going to do. So that's why those movies go off in a different direction where it's like, oh, she always had the powers all along. But yeah. their their intention was that this is how she got the Phoenix powers. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That or um, Shadowcat. Okay. Who is in this movie? Yep. But not. But not Elliot. Elliot Page. Elliot Page. Who at the time was listed as Ellen Page. As Ellen Page, yeah. In the credits. One other thing I want to touch on, because we are running a bit long. Oh, we are. (laughs) Okay, critically. I didn't notice, because she barely has any lines. Oh, Halle Berry's accent is oh, real yeah, coming yeah. away. Speaking yeah. of like powers turning off and on, that <laughs> accent is just like it's here, there, it's everywhere. Yeah, she. I think she says in interviews later, she's like, "Yeah, that was a bad choice because it wasn't like they directed her to have the accent." She's like, "I feel like my character should have that accent." Well, that's the thing because like Aurora Monroe, yes, is a badass bitch. Yeah, like she is. Head bitch in charge. Her powers are awesome. Actually, maybe I want Storm's powers. I do like weather. Mm-hmm. Storm is awesome. She is a very strong character. Mm-hmm. She takes no shit. She has lived a tough life and is stronger for it. And Halle Berry's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> she is like, I'm sure they cast her because at the time she was the biggest like black actress around. Or that they could afford. But she doesn't fit the part at all. Mm-hmm. It's not good casting. Or it's bad direction, but everyone else is pretty good with their characters. So I don't know. I just don't think she was very good in this. Right. Or any other ones. And then that like, what happens when a toad is struck by lightning? Yeah, that, it's the easily. The same thing as everything else. It's easily the worst line Didn't in the entire Joss movie. Whedon write that line? He did. He wrote that line and the line where Wolverine comes back after Mystique impersonates him. And he's like, it's me. And Cyclops is like, prove it. And he's like, you're a dick. That line's stupid, too. I thought that was so funny when I was in high school. And watching it now, I'm like, that's not funny. That's stupid. <laughs> like, if he'd been like, it would have been funner if he was like, I don't know, go fuck yourself. Which they did do with Wolverine in a later movie. Yeah. I'd say it's more fitting to who Wolverine is. But mm-hmm. anywho. Okay, so... We, 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 you could tell like w- with this, some of the times when we do these, these episodes, when we talk about the plot versus when we talk about like just anything, if, if we like, I don't know about you. I didn't write down much. I didn't write down a ton, but again, a lot it, of, it's a movie I've seen so much that I know, I know, you know it. It backward and I know forward. it. Yeah. So I only needed to write down. Where did the phone go? i just like where did the phone go where did the phone go (laughs) that was one of the things i wrote down that yeah well that's what we thought of this movie but critics in 2000 had thoughts on this movie so laura why don't you fill us in on some past reviews so this movie 
very, very close in the critical versus audience has an 80%, 82% critical score mm-hmm. and an 83% audience score. Dang. Homeboy Roger Ebert said, I started out liking this movie while waiting for something in- really interesting to happen. When nothing did, I still didn't dislike it. I assume the X-Men will further develop their personalities if there is a sequel. He was right. He was right. The second movie blows this movie out of the water. Funnily enough, the ratings, like the audience and critical score for the second one are only like two points higher. Really? Yeah, which is nuts because the second one's way better. Yeah. That we will have to get to it eventually. We will get to it eventually. What, next year? 2003, I think. Ugh. Yeah. Dennis Harvey of Variety says... X-Men plays like a so-so middle chapter of an epic series rather than a fitting kickoff. And <laughs> Nell Minow of Movie Mom, which was one of the actual oldest reviews I could find. This is the summer movie for teenagers and anyone who'd like to pretend to be one. Now, for mm-hmm. the fun part of the awards. Yay! It won six Saturn Awards, which included Best Sci-Fi Film, Best Actor Hugh Jackman, Best Supporting Actress Rebecca Romaine, Best Director, Brian Singer. Best Writing, David Hayter. And Best Costumes. It was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which is Patrick Stewart. And Younger Actor is Anna Paquin. And Makeup and Effects. And there are a total of 13 films in the series. Does it? Wow. It does not seem that many. doesn't include TV stuff, like Legion and stuff. Yeah, no. And the original X-Men is the highest. Sorry, eighth highest wow i'm not having a good talk at night no talking words x-men has the eighth highest box office of the lot there you go there you go there you go so what did we think of this movie yeah well this was my pick so i get to go first i'm still gonna give it a, a double butter i still think it's fun i feel like the last third of the movie is a lot weaker than i remember but I still had a great time. And mm-hmm. like it, it, I think it more comes down to the fact that I love seeing these characters mm-hmm. on screen. And because I love these characters, I have fun watching this movie. I think everybody does a great job. Like, except Halle Berry, except Halle Berry apparently. <laughs> like, like Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart oh, are fantastic. fantastic. Like they, they are, the, fa- the thing that's great about them is that, they have a relationship in real life. Like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are friends. Really good friends. So that that relationship plays off in the movie as as because Xavier and Magneto are friends. They're and they are best friends. Even though they have an ant- an antagonistic relationship, they one, one might call them frenemies. Frenemies. There you go. The original frenemies, Magneto <laughs> and Professor X. Like it really plays into their performances and that's why they do a great job. I mean, this was Hugh Jackman's breakout role and really if it wasn't for this movie, we we would not have the Kate and Leopolds of the world, but but we also wouldn't have things like Logan and we wouldn't have well, we probably would have this movie, but it'd be very different with The Prestige. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many other movies that uh, that Hugh Jackman's been in uh, that, you know, fantastic. So, yeah, still double butter for me. I'm also going to go double, but with an asterisk. Okay. I thought you might go playing with it, but asterisk intrigues me. Yeah. An asterisk. So, I still enjoy it because I feel like, hilariously, 
flaws and all, it's still a really good movie. Yeah. For the right audience, mm-hmm. which is a large audience. It's not a niche audience, especially now. But if you are a fan of Marvel movies, which, judging by their box office success, a large portion of the population is, you should see this movie. Mm-hmm. You absolutely should watch this movie because this sets up a foundation for Marvel becoming what it is. Mm-hmm. And that alone is important. So if you consider yourself a Marvel fan, you really should watch at least the first two X-Men movies. After that, oh, and First Class and Days of Future Past. And two of the three Wolverine movies. And two of the three Wolverine movies. And yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. I mean, one of those Wolverine movies you get get away with not watching. but At least Logan. Yeah. I like the other one. But I I think it falls falls apart in the last act. But, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, those movies. Yeah, but if you are even to just to watch the stuff that came out before the Marvel movies started going, like mm-hmm. the because this is obviously it's still Marvel, but it's not a Marvel property for film. Yeah, this was back in the day when Fox owned the rights and Marvel really didn't have much to do with it. Although, fun fact, Kevin Feige worked on this movie. Ah. interesting mm-hmm. so but you see what i'm saying like it it would be one that if if i were to say to you i would recommend this movie as a double butter to fans of kate and leopold <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. that is too much of a niche i would say a limited audience to qualify for double butter mm-hmm. but as the marvel stuff is such a big property yes and has become such a huge worldwide phenomenon i can say that that audience is big enough to give this a double butter for that specific audience Mm -hmm. i would say if you're not a superhero fan might not be for you it'd be more of a plane okay you could skip it but if you're a superhero fan in any shape or capacity it is a much must watch all right that makes sense to me that makes sense to me well That is going to do it for this week's episode. But next week, we will be taking a look at. Can you guess? Is it ever after? (laughs) Close. Oh. Pretty Woman. Oh, wow. Finally. Finally, you're making me watch this. It's so cute. Here are my memories of Pretty Woman. Huge. Here are my memories of Pretty Woman for next week's episode. I've never seen it before. There we go. <laughs> huge mistake. <laughs> well, we'll see if it was a huge mistake for me to watch this movie <laughs> next week. But look forward to that then. But for this episode of Burt Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we'll talk to you guys again uh, soon. <laughs>